Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 66 of the podcast. It's the 5th of April, 2017, as I record this intro. And in this episode, Pushpa Ramachandran answers 10 questions about unschooling. We talk about uh, how she discovered unschooling, natural learning, and how everything is connected, unschooling in India, her husband's unschooling journey, as well as touching on her part-time work as a speech pathologist. And this past week, I have been happily engaged in my work. I wrote my article for the next issue of the Natural Parent magazine and sent it in. I spent a day diving into theories of childhood as research for a book I'm working on. And as part of transitioning my writing into a full-fledged business, I took my love for numbers and have been gathering stats to get a snapshot of things. So this week, I learned that I recently surpassed 10,000 books sold. That's so cool. And that my ebooks sell about twice as many as my print books. It's so interesting to see how people enjoy consuming information. And thanks to everyone who's picked up a book or three of mine. I hope you found them helpful on your unschooling journey because that's the whole point. And I plan to publish two more unschooling books this year. I'm having so much fun playing with them and I'm excited to share them with you. I've learned that I love writing and publishing so much. And to share a random fact of the week, Michael's hair has finally grown long enough that he no longer needs to wear the head covering as part of his knight's costume in the show. And a big thank you to everyone supporting the show on Patreon. I deeply appreciate your support. And I'm excited to welcome new supporters Bryn Milton and Blathnade. Hi, thanks guys. I love that you're all helping me share unschooling information with anyone who's curious to learn more and explore ways to live this wonderful lifestyle with their family. If you'd like to support the show, even for as little as a dollar a month, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And this week's quote is from Pushpa. I can eloquently talk about it, but I do not necessarily know how to do it all the time. I am still learning how to be a facilitator rather than a director. I love that Pushpa brought up that point because it's a good one to visit on a regular basis for listeners. We can talk about the ideas and philosophy of unschooling, but how it plays out day to day in our families with the unique and wonderful individuals that make up our family varies widely. And what works one day in relationship with a child, or even an adult for that matter, may not work well the next. We are all always growing and changing, and our circumstances are changing too. So it's not about figuring out the quote right answer and doing that over and over again. It's about understanding the principles of the unschooling lifestyle that we're choosing to lead and dancing with that each day. Some days things go smoothly and other days they don't. That's life. But we're always learning. And what I love about unschooling is that more often than usual, some days are spectacular. 
And with that, on to the interview with Pushpa. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Larikia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Pushpa Ramachandran. I got that right, right? <laughs> yes. Hi, Pushpa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. And it's wonderful to have you on the show. Uh, Pushpa is an unschooling mom of two in India. I've been reading her unschooling insights for a number of years now, and I love the glimpses into their unschooling lives that she shares on Facebook. Uh, She's also an experienced speech pathologist. And I have 10 questions for you, Pushpa, so let's dive in. Number one is... Okay, sounds good. Great. (laughs) Can you please share share with us a bit about you and your family and how you guys discovered unschooling? Um, it kind of just happened. <clears throat> uh, when Veda was really little, Veda's my old, uh, elder one, older one. Um, she had some trouble with feeding, and I kind of uh, just went down the rabbit hole that Google is, and um, I kind of stumbled upon um, attachment parenting, and um, that led into I think a Google uh, search on uh, homeschooling, and that led into unschooling, and. Um, I, I found out about this person uh, who's Sandra Dodd and um, I kind of um, went on her website and um, I was surprised to uh, hear that there is something that is known as homeschooling. I mean, I didn't even know about that, even though I had uh, worked in the United States in the school system and um, uh, with disabilities. I didn't I don't know why I'd never heard about homeschooling. Um after that, um, I think uh, I started searching uh, online um, locally about what uh, was possible, and um, I stumbled upon two names. One was Urmila Samson. Um, uh, there was an article about her uh, 16-year-old uh, who had um, never been to school, and the other name um, that came up on Google was Hema, uh, Hema Bharadwaj. She had a blog at that point, and so I was just hooked. I was reading her blog about her kids, um, and uh, I discovered that Hema lived not so far from me, so um, the eager beaver that I was, I just... Uh, <laughs> picked up the phone and I I emailed her. Initially, she didn't email me back because I think they were traveling or something. And then uh, I ended up picking up the phone and calling her. And uh, she was like in the middle of, uh, it sounds like what at that point uh, was just the chaos that an unschooling family is in the middle of all the time, (laughs) busy, busy time. And uh, she just told me to come over. And uh, I went over. And um, I won't forget that first day. Um, both her kids were, like, busy doing something. Uh, her younger one was, like, busy playing something. And her older one was busy with the video games. And um, I um, was just uh, very surprised to know that both her kids had never gone to school. And then I was surprised to know that she was connected with other people that had never gone to school. Um, and in the meantime, uh, parallelly, I also attended a talk that I took my husband uh, to uh, that Urmila gave in Pune. Um, and I think um, she spoke uh, quite in length along with another homeschooling mom um, about how both their kids had never been to school. So up until that point, I didn't know um, that this was even a possibility. Um that you could have kids that didn't go to a structured school. 
I didn't know why I didn't know that, but that came in uh, as a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, but then I think once I heard their stories and I started uh, meeting Hema, and uh, Hema was very generous and included me in this big group of other moms. And although I only had like uh, uh, an 11-month-old, the group just kind of took me in and uh, I started hanging out with all the moms. And even though my, my child was much younger, uh, we would go for all the events um, that uh, they were just informal events and picnics and, uh, you know, play dates. And um, I just kind of uh, got connected with uh, all of those moms. Um, some of them are now writing online and some are not. But uh, it was just a nice um, opening for me uh, directly into this world of unschooling because most of them were unschooling at that point. And this is like seven years ago. So that's so fascinating. I mean, I hadn't heard the, the word homeschooling for the longest time, too. Um, and then it's, isn't it so fun how you find there's this whole community out there that you didn't even know existed before? <laughs> yes. Um, my husband and I often say that um, there are so many parallel worlds out there that we don't even know exist. And in this example, it's unschooling, but we've also found that that is true for almost anything that you're interested in. So if it's sewing and suddenly I stumble upon all these online communities or all these people that know the inner workings of where you can buy that material or, you know, um, if it's something else, then you know who's training whom and that. And like, until then, you're completely oblivious to all of this. And then once you're in there, you're like, wow, all of this is going on. I didn't even know about this. <laughs> That's so awesome. And and I've met Hema a few times as well. She's a, a lovely, lovely woman. It was, it's great hearing how they all welcomed you in and and, you know, just hung out and you got to see uh, unschooling families in action while your child was still young, right? Right. Uh, yeah, Veda was definitely the baby of the group. And the biggest draw for her at that time wasn't really any of the other kids because, you know, all the other kids, uh, including Sang Sangeeta's daughters, uh, they, they were much, uh, I mean, they were a lot older. And so Veda was definitely the baby. So the biggest draw for Veda at that time was Hema's dog, Snowy. So we'd end up we'd, we'd end up going mainly to play with the dog. But um, because of that, uh, those visits, uh, I really got exposed to... Um, you know, uh, uh, children that are not in school um, at a variety of different ages. So going all the way from mine that was uh, like 11 months old, but not not even, um, I wasn't even, um, I mean, mine wouldn't have gone to school anyways at that point. Uh, but then they were also like Urmila's kids. Um, I think her um, eldest was already um, 16, but her um, her oldest was already 16, but her, I think um, uh, her middle one was maybe around 12 or something like that. So it was nice for me to see all of these different age range kids that were not in structured school. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I would love to hear a bit about what your children are up to now, what they're interested in and how they're pursuing it. <laughs> Veda is uh, seven and a half now. She will turn eight uh, soon. Uh, she's interested in many, many, many things. Um, 
she's been in a Bollywood dance class. Um, so that uh, she's been going to that dance class um, for like three years now. And she's uh, given a couple of performances. Um, last Her last big performance was in uh, a formal auditorium. And uh, it was just the dance uh, families that were the audience. But it was still a nice experience. She wanted to do that. Um, she's We've recently just stumbled into the world of Lego. So uh, that has been, uh, that can just consume hours. Um, she likes to watch YouTube videos um, uh, and like follow recipes and just lately has been trying to uh, do a lot of independent non-heat cooking uh, recipes that she comes up with, either inspired by a video or just, she just thinks of something and needs to do it like immediately and serve it to all of us so um and then uh she likes art so she likes to craft and she calls them her projects and uh, i think i might have something to do with that word <laughs> so uh, so she likes to travel with us as a family uh she's excited whenever we're traveling because she likes to take the train in india uh um and um, she likes all her friends. She loves her cousins. Um, so we have like upcoming meets with cousins. They're coming to stay over. We like to go visit. Um, she likes making lists. That's her new big thing. She's started to write on her own. So she likes to make long lists of things um, for just anything. Um, yeah, that's Veda. Vinaya is four and a half. And she likes to kind of follow her old, older sister, uh, you know. Um, she does not like to be not involved in any project that Veda starts. Um, like she, um, so she will just jump in right along and say like, I want to do it too, you know. So, uh, so all of that, except for the Bollywood dance class, Vinaya is pretty much uh, all of those interests are also something that she likes to jump in on. Um, she really is big on like helping around the house. So she likes to put the dishes away, help me fold the clothes, um, you know. <clears throat> so she's <clears throat> also very, <clears throat> very interested in, excuse me, um, in like doing stuff around the house. So That's fascinating. That's, that's a lot of things. That's wonderful. <laughs> Them yeah, they also like books and they like TV and they like watching the tablet and they like playing with their dad. I mean, it is, there's, if I think about it now, I mean, they do a lot of different things, you know, um, all through sometimes the day. Sometimes it helps to actually take a moment to notice those things because sometimes we get stuck on, you know, one or two things that they're doing or something, right? And But if we sit and think about it for a minute over over the course of a week or two, there, there's a lot of stuff. They have time to do a lot of things and still focus a lot on one or two things, don't they? Yes, I, I, uh, I'm starting to just realize that, I think, that because we have so much time and um, since all of our activities are mostly local and I'm not yet in the, at that point where I'm having to drive them around a lot, uh, I think uh, even two or three hours with one activity, like let's be maybe Lego or maybe it's crafting something, um, I think that is very satisfying to have that uninterrupted time to sit with that thing and not have to be rushed to move on to the next scheduled activity or whatever you know so yeah i think that 
that block of time has been, I think, uh, helpful. And, yeah, and I think it's it's so nice that they can do it to whatever length of time um, suits them, right? Without those yes. interruptions, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that is that um, has been nice. Mm-hmm. I know, and it's so interesting to see what it is that catches their attention for longer periods, right? And and how that changes over time. You know, sometimes Lego will be half an hour, and then another time some idea will catch and it'll be three hours, you know, it's always so fascinating to, to see how it develops. Yeah. So lately, uh, Veda has been doing this thing where she likes to sit with her dad and uh, that's been more late night because he comes back later from work. And that is the only time they get together because he leaves in the mornings and then all week is like really busy for him because he works full time. So they watch all these, videos on animal planet and it's all about snakes and reptiles and they have this common love for that and that's the only time they get and these videos are pretty detailed and then they're talking about these animals and how they behave and he's telling him stories about when he was involved with all these conservationists that used to physically handle snakes and so I think that's nice that she doesn't have to um, get up super early in the morning to have to go somewhere so she can have that two hours of animal planet time watching all these videos that are showing animal behavior or whatever and talking with her dad about that. Yeah, that they can connect when, you know, it, it works on, on his schedule, right? You know, whenever that is, um, you don't have other things pulling at her. That's awesome. Yeah, that has been nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, earlier this year, you wrote a really wonderful article for Families Learning Together magazine that was titled Natural Learning, Nine Things I Have Learned About Naturally. Um, in it, you dig into the idea of natural learning and what it looks like. And just to let people know, I'll share the link to that in the show notes so they can read all nine. But I thought we'd dive into one of them today. Um, I wanted to look at number four. Uh, the one thing leads to another and everything is connected. Because that realization was a really big piece of the unschooling puzzle for me and helped me release some of that pull of curriculum. I was wondering how that realization came about for you. Um, One, maybe because my children never went to school, I never brought in a curriculum, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I'm talking about curriculum as in um, like anything off the shelves, um, but yeah. I think, I mean, um, uh, another way to look at curriculum is from some of the other unschooling moms that I've talked to is, I mean, everything we do together, if I put it together and I wrote it up, that would be some kind of curriculum. It's just that she's picking and choosing and I'm bringing in new stuff. So, um, so you know, um, but I think uh, this realization, I don't know if I can claim that I entirely have it. Uh, yes, I am not uh, buying something off the shelf and uh, trying to uh, schedule a sit down time to learn it but I do have my anxieties about will she learn this will she learn that but I think slowly uh, you know it's percolating that everything is connected and that usually is uh, happening for me personally by just all the connections that she's making and I'm seeing that all of those missing bits or pieces that I think that, that are missing are falling in because she'll make something or she'll say something um, that uh, I'll be like, wow, she figured that out, you know? So I think it's an ongoing process. It isn't like I can tell you the date that that realization kind of came about, <laughs> you know? So uh, it, it's still very much an ongoing process. So um, um, 
as she I, learns I found that and, as well, yeah. As she learns and yeah. as I learn that she learns and as I learn that I learn, uh, I mm-hmm. learn that everything is connected. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to put it, yeah. And and I found too that 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 for me that was definitely something that took a long time. And it's something that I'm learning deeper even now because like you said, they're uh, regularly learning things and, and you're like, oh, where, where did you pick that? Where did you make that connection? So it is something that we learn deeper and deeper over time. But for me, it really meant I needed that, that longer range window to look back and see those connections because that showed me, look, following their curiosity took them to that thread took them to so many cool places. Whereas, you know, the curriculum that, cause my kids went to school for a few years, you know, that they would follow step by step by step. Um, it was just so much wider when they were following their own curiosity and interest. And, and over time, those connections just, they were beautiful really, you know, and, and you could see them by, by looking back at what they'd been doing. I um <clears throat> so we watch a lot of animation movies and like the creativity that's coming out in movies that are made now is just amazing. So uh, an example was like this movie that they really liked uh, for a while back was Mr. Peabody and Sherman, and um you know that movie has time travel and wormholes and you know <laughs> they dip into all these different civilizations. So uh you know um. My my previous unschooled uh, or uh, my my conditioned self might not have might not might have just previously looked at that movie as something that was just a fun thing to look at, but now my uh, my um, my unschooling side has seen how then they talk about time travel and how they are talking about making a machine to time travel and uh and then like they get into like this whole concept of space travel and then we we kind of dabble a little bit in uh by by joining the local astronomy group here and so then they're hearing all these terms and they're connecting all of that with the 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 plot and the the characters that they've seen in these movies and so then you suddenly realize like wow you know this fun movie that was just something that they watched for two hours is actually so rich and deep in all of the different things that it can lead to uh, and it's such a fun way to be exposed to that stuff because that is not how I was exposed to it yeah I love you use the word rich because that's what I was thinking as you were explaining it's like wow it's just so rich all the places that um, their connections take them well all the places that they can see them right Right. You know, all those, all the place, how they'll see connections in, even in a seemingly unrelated activity, because it's something that they've been thinking about and they pull all these fascinating connections and pieces together in their, in their play, when they're out and about, when they're watching something, it's really cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, can you give us an idea of what unschooling is like in India? Um, is I was very curious if homeschooling is generally accepted, if you guys have um, homeschooling regulations that vary widely by state, because I know they vary quite a bit here by province. And I was wondering how easy it is to connect with other unschooling families, although it sounds like you found a pretty good crew around you early on, didn't you? 
Yeah. Um, so um, uh, legally, uh, it is not illegal to homeschool. There is something called the the Right to Education Act, which was really made for you know. There's lot millions of kids in India that uh, don't have access to education because they're working as uh, child laborers and things like that. Um, so there was some confusion about whether the Right to Education Act um, uh, required mandatory schooling. But uh, from what I understand and how some of the homeschooling families that are um, that are kind of um, have explored this uh, deeper. Some of the, uh, some of those dads have explained it to me that um, it is not illegal to homeschool in India, and the onus of educating that child at home is on the parent. While it is the right of the child to go to school if the child so chooses to, which is the case for us. If Veda wants to go to school, I'll be happy to take her, but until that time, uh, it is my job to make sure that she gets a well-rounded education at home. Um, uh, there is uh, a, an organization that is called Swasikshan, and I can give you the link for that, uh, for you to put, uh, to share with others. Um, and sure. so that uh, organization kind of just came about, uh, I think, um, uh, a few years ago. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they've since then had annual meets uh, uh, in, in the Indian Homeschooling Conference that it's called or the Swissiction Annual Meet. That's the new name, I guess. And we just recently went um, for a five-day homeschooling conference um, that was organized by other volunteer parents. And uh, we met like, um, uh, I think, 40 different families that are all either homeschooling or unschooling. A different, um, they're on different tracks uh, based on whatever is working for them. I think it is hard to know how many families are actually homeschooling slash unschooling. Um, uh, I mean, every time I uh, I just threw out an email last week in Pune, and I was really surprised to know that there were all these people living like right around my house that are homeschooling <laughs> or unschooling. Uh, I, they're just busy. Uh, maybe they don't need uh, feel the need to connect with other families, or uh, uh -huh. they're uh, they're they're. They're already connected to a few homeschooling families, so they're, they're, you know, their needs are being met, so they don't really need to feel the need to like connect with a big group. That's fine. Um, so, uh, there, and in Pune, um, there is a, a Pune homeschoolers Google group that Urmila started. So, you know, a lot of, uh, um, families that are prospective that are thinking about homeschooling, they joined that. Um, I hosted a meet at the university grounds, which is like five minutes from my house. Um, so there are families that came there, um, to meet us. Um, and then um, there's three Facebook groups that kind of got started for that organization that I mentioned, Swasikshan. Um, so there's three different groups now um, on Facebook, um, India Learning and Alternative Education something. Um, so uh, I don't know everybody on those groups because those groups are really big and there's so many people on them. Um, but so it seems like there's many, and then Swasikshan has a Google group. So there's all these different platforms that uh, anyone that's interested can. Um, Swasikshan also has a website that has many articles, uh, including a couple of mine. Um, and um, there's lots of Q&As on it. So I think that was nice um, that Naveen, one of the dads, and a few other volunteers put together this website so that um, there is a place online for people to go to and look at um, if they are thinking seriously about homeschooling or unschooling their child. 
That's awesome. And yeah, send me those links and I'll be happy to put them in the show notes for people so that they can uh, connect if they're looking. Um, you wrote an article that I came across titled Being With My Child in response to a family member saying that you shouldn't tailor make your life around your child. Uh, can you share some of your thoughts around the concept of being and what it means to you as a parent? I think that article I wrote a long time ago. Um, so, yeah. uh, so actually, my my way of being as a parent now is not that way anymore because my kids don't need me that way anymore. Um, <laughs> they're they're really busy. In fact, I'm not included in a lot of their play because they have like multiple levels of complexity that I cannot keep up with, just because of um, my. I mean, I'm I'm not in on that play because either one I'm not invited a lot of times uh, because they they've already have the background play that they've they've spent hours playing and I have errands to do or I'm doing something else so by by the nature of that I'm not in on that that play plot so um, they're so busy playing with each other and then they do include me in a lot of other play play activities but when they're in that creative. Um, imagine imaginary role play um they don't really need me in that way so uh, it's been interesting i um because of this change lately i have been able to start a part-time clinic i've been able to pursue some projects on my own uh that they come and you know jump in where they can or you know depending on at what point i am in the project and um but, but, but then I'm also around to like take them to events and plan other play dates with other homeschooling moms. And uh, we all go together to different events and um, plan activities uh, uh, with family and friends. So um, it, it just kind of organically changed the way I need to be around my children. Oh, yeah. I, that's really interesting to hear because... Um... I think, too, I would imagine that a lot of your um, willingness to be actively close and with them when they were younger had them feeling safe and secure enough, you know, that they were comfortable, um, you know, knowing that you would be there and support them whenever they need. But so they're more comfortable doing, you know, their own things now. Does that make sense? That helps, but I also live with my mother-in-law, so I think um, having uh, that loving grandmother around also helps a lot, especially mm -hmm. lately. When they were younger, they didn't, uh, I mean, they were definitely a lot more with me, even though yeah. the, the living situation was the same. Uh, but now, uh, I mean, I can literally take off for like three or four hours to get something done if I need to, um, and they don't really, uh, they're quite uh, happy and it isn't like she's with them all of that time she does her own thing and she's available for them to uh, get something out or of the kitchen or do something but they're really busy like past 11 o'clock they're really busy playing with each other and these games are very elaborate and very complex so that's awesome sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah if I could just be a fly on the ball to these games. <laughs> it would be fascinating, I'm sure. Oh, they're um, also recording. Hoping... They're they recording. Oh, um, yeah. 
there's a, there's an upcoming YouTube channel in the works, so they're busy recording all these uh, plots. And uh, I mean, I I have to I have seen some of it, um, but it is hours of footage. I don't know how we'll ever edit it, or maybe we'll just have to reshoot it. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they 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 like this channel called Cookies World C, and um, uh-huh. so she she does all these uh, interesting. Um, uh, uh, storylines with uh, all the toys and ponies and so they, they do their own versions of it and so that is hours of footage that uh, they're shooting so together oh, that's that's awesome so it sounds like a great project right another project <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I was wondering if you could share a bit about your experience around the challenges of unschooling within the Indian culture because the culture in which we live definitely has an impact on our unschooling lives, right? Right. So it's very interesting because of this interview, I actually went online and tried to look up like what the history of education was in India. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I kind of uh, researched a little bit and uh, villages actually had their own schools um, that were in vernacular languages and uh, a lot of them were skill-based and trade-based and um, there were certain communities that actually went to school if they were like to turn into the priest and um, they had to learn all the, the chanting and all the religious rites so those schools were different and there um, if the teacher was willing to accept a student then the teacher actually boarded with uh, the student actually boarded with the teacher and lived away from his family uh, I guess that was was the, the the initials of, of uh, initial beginnings of what is a boarding school? You know that's a gurukul, uh, and so that was traditional. Uh, but the the kids that didn't get to go there, but they were obviously homeschooled at home by their parents, and they learned everything that was trade and skill based. So to me, I'm starting to think that homeschooling wasn't really all that new in India traditionally, because children learned uh, to be uh, extra help at home uh, for just the purposes of living and livelihood. So if they were a farmer's child, they would learn to farm. If they were a cobbler's child, they would learn how to mend shoes. You know, so all of that skill-based learning was just at home. Also, girls... um, traditionally and even now uh, which is why they made the RTE is that the girls uh, uh, traditionally were uh, expected to by the age of 8 or 10 be full-fledged and qualified to cook an entire meal for a family in the kitchen so that is all home-based education it's not like they're going to culinary school to learn how to cook for seven people you know um, yeah. So um, I think home-based education has always been around. Colonization um, kind of uh, changed things um, in, in in that uh, India has been colonized by many different uh, groups. Um, so every colonization, uh, every colonizer came and started their school to try and impose that. And then the British system is when the schools kind of started uh, deciding that we're not going to teach uh, the vernacular language anymore and that all the people have to learn English. And um, um, so Indians kind of started getting schooled to become uh, clerical help for the British uh, system. That is kind of the origins of the modern schooling that happened. So home, home-based education is not a new concept, really, although everyone seems to think that it is so radical right now. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I know it 
how relatively new um, school is, but it has it so quickly wove its way into society, hasn't it? That that it, it seems uh, it, it, that it's totally mainstream, and that not not going to school is somehow strange. But having said that. I can see why. So education uh, is something that my parents have provided me and my sister with, and they're very proud of it, rightfully so, because mm-hmm. it has opened doors for us. It has changed our um, economic position. It has uh, given us skills um, uh, to travel abroad, uh, to be successful women and mothers. So I can see um, why, um, you know, uh, that per- perception um, um, is, is, val- is that education is so important, is valued, uh, because it really has tangibly changed the economics of many, many, many families that otherwise would not have access to better health care, better homes, ability to travel, more spending money, all of that exposure, you know. So um, for many families in India, schooling and getting those degrees and getting those jobs is what has lifted them out of difficult situations. Um, But I am starting to now uh, learn how to tie both of those together. So I don't um, I don't feel the need to uh, look down upon what my uh, what my schooling is because that has really helped me. But I don't necessarily think that home education has to be pitted against that. You know, um, it it it. I would also like my children to have all those opportunities. So by not sending them to school m- doesn't necessarily mean that I'm keeping them away from all of that. Exactly. Choosing. Well, I think there's two pieces there. Number one is um, is that it's not um, choosing homeschooling isn't a choice against education, right? It's a different style of learning. Um, so there's it, it's not you know I don't want my kid to learn. It's it's I want to help my child learn. And then I think the other big piece is choice, right? You know, choosing um, the environment in which. They want to learn whether it's at home with parents who are actively supporting them and helping them learn or at school, right? It's the choice to do it, not like you said, not pitting one against the other as one right or one wrong. Yes, um, I think so. I think there uh, are concerns uh, from, uh, you know, people that are not aware of home education because they're uh, worried that uh, these children might not be able to give examinations, which is the big thing. You know, when they're 15, they have to take some form of examination. Um, I think in the United States it's GED, but we have our own here. So I think that is the biggest concern and the amount that you will score in those, which is the grade. Um, so I think that is where a lot of the fears come from, uh, where, that people ask me is, well, what will she do when she has to take an exam? Well, finally, she's going to have to take that exam and she might have to, I don't know. You know, uh, we, we don't have, <laughs> we don't have a passport that's very powerful. So if she wants to travel abroad and she needs to take an examination, I'm guessing if she's motivated enough, she will take that examination, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that that's the whole choice bit too, right? That's where your motivation and, and that's where all the connections will come because um, she, she'll have a goal for anybody that will have a goal. That's what even here, you know, and say, but what if they want to go to college? Well, you know, 
They they can. It doesn't mean that all the stuff that they've been learning and doing, um, you know, for the last 10 years or whatever was a waste. No, it's just different. And now they'll spend some time focusing on this stuff because that's something they want to accomplish. Yeah, I think um, there is a difference between um, schooling and education. And to 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 quote a very often quoted uh, topic, uh, I mean, a line was Mark Twain's with, I don't let my schooling interfere with my education. But genuinely, that is true. I don't think that by not sending your child to school that you're not necessarily invested in letting them have a good education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. We should probably move on. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you could share a bit about what your family's journey to unschooling has looked like for your husband. Yeah. So, I mean, I, this would not be possible without his support. So, um, he uh, he's always been one of the, uh, you know, uh, said it said it in a very uh, sarcastic or humorous way, an outstanding student, like the one that was standing out of the class, uh, physically out of the class. So he, uh, he, uh, he always says that if he had not found computer science, he did not know what he would have ended up doing because computer science just clicked for him and it's all about logic and that it was amazing that he was around at a time when computer science was just picking up and that really opened doors for him because he was hooked. Um, that is what he says. And so I think it was nice to have that because I was total opposite of that. I was the academic achiever. Uh, I, I ranked first throughout in, uh, up until my, my master's, I was like the, the straight A student. So like school and school performance, like was big, or big, big, big on my agenda. Um, mm-hmm. and so he's the exact opposite uh, of someone that could not be bothered with grades but just was really all about learning and understanding. So I think that was big, big for me because I n- never knew anything about that because academic performance was very big for me personally. So uh, I think uh, meeting him, knowing him, staying with him uh, helped me see that, uh, okay, you don't need to like worry about the grades, but you could still be very smart and know a lot. No. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, I think that helps. Um, and so that kind of helped me kind of uh, pursue this uh, track uh, because he uh, is kind of the living example for me for someone who uh, can achieve what they want even though they're not really big on the grades. Um, but having said that, uh, he's also not around the kids a lot and so not directly on uh, in on the journey as much as I am. So he did say that if I talk to you that uh, his biggest learn- learning has to not be fearful and like respond, reflect, you know, in kind of a knee jerk reaction. Um, and to be just patient and understand, uh, which he is learning, that as soon as he starts to teach Veda something, he realizes uh, the irony of trying to teach her because she will only learn what she really wants to learn in that moment, you know. So, <laughs> so, um, <That's> awesome. <laughs> so you know, he said that, and I think that was nice to hear because um, uh, he, uh, he's, I, I would say that he's uh, definitely on board with this and um, very interested in having more time available in the future to support a lot of interesting projects <laughs> that he uh, is interested in and was hoping <laughs> that the kids kids would get excited by too so oh that's awesome yeah he's looking for he's looking forward to more time to share stuff with them do yeah stuff together. yeah well, that's great 
Uh, question number eight. We're getting there. You also work part time as a speech pathologist. You mentioned opening up your clinic part time, and you work online with clients around the world. Um, I was wondering if you could share some suggestions if, for an unschooling parent who might have some concerns about their child's communication skills. Um. Yes, I do work a lot with unschooling parents, which is thanks to Sandra's uh, link on her website. Uh, she's linked me as mm -hmm. one of the therapists. So that is, I think, where most of the parents find me. Um, uh, if you have concerns about your child's communication skills, then I think the important thing is to acknowledge it because maybe your child is also struggling, really. And so it's nice to actually acknowledge it and uh, figure out if your child really needs help. So that is number one. Uh, second thing is don't panic. <laughs> you know, language is not something that can get fixed uh, like overnight. So it is a process. Um, a stimulation, you know, you have to be around your child and language is something that needs constant enrichment and uh, you have to break it down and you can learn techniques, which is what I teach uh, a lot of the families uh, to do on their own. Um, if you don't have an unschooling their family therapist, um, it is not the end of the world. There is a lot that parents can do. And that is one of the things that I really try to push for is um, to educate parents on how they can be their child's partner. And uh, there are a lot of programs. One of the best ones is out of Canada, actually. It's called Hannon. Um, it is for younger children. And um, it is all about how a parent has to be uh, aware and listening and receptive and, and share every environment with the child along Alongside providing that language input. Um, so there are a lot of other people also who think this way and not necessarily that have been labeled as unschooling. So, you know, you kind of have to be resourceful. I think that is the biggest thing for parents that have uh, any need that has to be met, whether it be a disability based or otherwise. Um, so I think uh, those are some of the suggestions that I would have for an unschooling parent, especially about speech and language, is to be resourceful, find out what you can do at home and jump right into it and actually do it. Well, that's awesome. It's like you, you want to um, help empower the parents to help and to know to not, to not get stuck in that fear, right? Yes, because when we start then uh, doing something about it, the fear kind of goes away and you start mm -hmm. teasing apart what needs to really happen and then you can focus on doing that and then you try it and if it doesn't work, then you try something else and you have to keep trying. Um and language and speech takes time. I mean, it isn't, uh, I mean, just, you know, by evolution, that is the last thing that kind of comes in. We start walking and moving way before we start talking. And our language is fully developed only by the age of seven. So if there is a delay in it, that is the last thing that can come in. So, and, 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 while our other motor skills kind of stagnate unless we push forward for them to improve by pursuing dancing or whatever. Uh, on the contrary, our language keeps improving as we keep adding to it through experiences and learning. So our brain is a very powerful organ that we don't understand entirely. So I think we have to do whatever it takes to help our child tap into that potential that is in our brains. Well, that, that's really, really fascinating. I can see why you found that so interesting. <laughs> right. So, did I answer that question? Did yeah, I yeah that question? no, that's awesome.
Yeah, and uh, I'll share the I'll share the link too to your because um, you've got some good information on your website as well. So I'll definitely share that in the links for people. Very yeah, cool. that would be great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and that this next question ties into that. Um, at, as unschooling parents, we're often exploring ways that we can weave work and unschooling together. So I was hoping you could share uh, what it looks like for your family, the way you um, work your, uh, your your clinic work and hours in with your, your family life. Yeah, so um, I was lucky uh, to be at uh, choosing to be a full-time mom um, at a point when technology had really kind of picked up. So eight years ago, I I, um, got into telepractice, which is delivering speech and language services uh, through the internet. Um, It wasn't uh, being done... um, that much at that time so uh, but now it's really picking up abroad Uh, there are maybe a few people here in India doing it but I've been doing it for like eight years now coming up on eight years now so um, I was lucky I would say uh, that all of this fell into place so I never uh, really took a break so to speak from working because I always worked all through even with Veda being a baby, um, it, it was just that the hours were different. So when she was uh, yeah. w- when she was very little uh, and sh- she had more baby needs, I could easily work a lot more <laughs> because you know I would work when she was asleep. Um, in fact, it's the opposite now that as they've grown, I've actually started working less because you know um, I have more things to do with them. Uh, having said that, though, I do have a part-time clinic now, but I I only I, I I'm fortunate enough to not be the um, the earn the the breadwinner for the house, so I don't have that burden on me, so I can cover my rent and you know still make some spending money through the clinic. Um, I don't work a lot. I do definitely work part-time. The online component is very exciting for me because I can work from uh, in a room where my kids are. Most of my clients know that my kids are around me, so I'm upfront. I tell all my clients whether they're unschooling families or not. In fact, most of my clients are not unschooling families. They know that my kids are there and that I will reschedule if my kids are sick. And people are very, very okay with that because they're not traveling and it's all online. Mm-hmm. Oh, and um, I think... More people are uh, excited about uh, not having to travel to to go see a therapist. And um, online therapy, uh, if the situations are right, it it works really well for uh, speech therapy because you have the client's undivided attention. They're looking at you, listening to you. They can work on the technique. So I'm lucky that I'm a speech therapist and not another kind of therapist that would physically require uh, manipulation of a hand or something like that. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting, and I love you know that you um, share that you, your kids are there, and I would think you know that most people would be open to that, that that they understand that. Like you said, they don't have to travel, so it's a lot easier to maybe rearrange a phone call if need be. <laughs> I work with uh, patients that have aphasia, that is like they have language uh, impairment from a stroke. Um, uh-huh. Most of them are homebound and they're isolated. They're very excited to li- see little kids because it's yeah. tough to be isolated and homebound and not have too many opportunities to interact. So they actually welcome. <laughs> Some of them will actually ask to say hi to my kids. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> 
Uh, now, uh, we have made it to question 10, um, and this is when I like to ask all my 10 question guests. Looking back, uh, what has been the most valuable outcome so far from choosing and schooling? Yeah, so um, I would have to say, hands down, the most valuable outcome for choosing unschooling is to kind of rediscover the joy of learning and um, how learning is really the most important part of anything that you do and how learning just is constantly happening whether I decide to pin up a board on it and display it and shout out that oh we're learning we're learning <laughs> and, uh, whether I choose not to it's still going to happen I have no control over learning it will happen no matter what I try to do or not do I love that I love that and it takes that was something that took me a while to see um, because I had my own expectations on what it should look like. But as soon as I got past that, it is, it is happening all the time, isn't it? Whether or not we see it, whether or not we even know what they are learning in the moment, there's a, they're always picking up something. It's, it's so fun to watch, isn't it? Yeah, and the, uh, the biggest outcome also has been uh, kind of trying to learn and uh, trying to learn, I'm still learning, um, to do this is not to do the, what you just said about what you think learning should look like and then try to box your child into that, uh, you know, and get upset. Um, sometimes that you're not, they're not learning what you think they should be learning, but then you get surprised. <laughs> And you literally have to eat your own words because you realize that uh, what you thought they were learning, that not only have they learned that, they've learned above and beyond that, which you've never even considered. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, sometimes I, that's one thing I learned that was really valuable, you know, is to um, sit back and not jump in with comments um, because I would direct things in places where I thought they would go because if it was me, that's where I would take it. But the places that they would take it are so fascinating and different and so interesting to see. But I would, I had to be careful not to jump in there or else I might, you know, take, uh, knock it off their course, right? I have to also say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm human, you know, so I do, I do make all these mistakes that I'm so eloquently supposed to be telling others. I mean, I'm, I definitely don't want to sound like I'm preaching or anything, but you know, I can eloquently talk about it, but I don't necessarily know how to do it all the time, you know. So I'm still learning how to be a be a facilitator rather than a director, you know. Well, and I think. I, yeah, I don't want to give the impression, like you said, to anyone that we're, quote, perfect at doing any of this. It's all about engaging with each other and 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 you get signals and you get clues. It's like, oh, look, I am I'm putting a little bit too much energy into this. I can tell by their reaction it's time to step back or I can tell by their reaction they're wanting more. It's it's just it's just about the dance of a relationship. I think that's Pam Sharushin's phrase and I think it just works so well because it always is even with my kids now as adults. You know, it's still that dance. It's still um uh, watching out for the clues of whether I should step right, left, backwards, whatever. And, you know, sometimes we do step on each other's toes, but that's another clue. And we, we 
uh, acknowledge it and figure it out. So yeah, it's all part of living together, right? If I can say uh, one thing, like at the uh, the homeschool meet that we just had, uh, one of the moms out of Inda, she she did a session on do nothing. And it was, mm-hmm. that was the hardest part, I think, for most parents is to do nothing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It, we, we are very, um, uh, productivity is what jumped to my head, you know, that feel like we always have to be doing something, doing something, but that space is, is so important, isn't it? To, yeah, to leave, yeah. Leave that space for things to go where they're going to go or not, right? Yeah, because so like you I said, am they're still there. learning. Yeah, so I'm still learning how to do nothing sometimes. Do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it sounds very active. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Push. I had a great time. Yeah, same. Likewise, I enjoyed myself too. That was, that was nice to um, kind of recap. Um, some of the things I've been thinking about, but I haven't really recapped it in sort of a structured way. So I think this conversation was nice to be able to do that. Oh, that's awesome. And before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you online? I think the easiest way to reach me online is just through my personal email. That's pushpa2812 at gmail.com. Um, okay, that's wonderful. I will share that and the link to your website and uh, and that other those other links for some of the homeschooling groups in India that you're going to share. That would be awesome. Thanks so much yeah. and have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about unschooling and homeschooling. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the third book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Life Through the Lens of Unschooling. This book is a wide array of essays drawn from my blog that shed light on the day-to-day lives of unschooling families. You'll find essays tackling everything from learning to read to visiting relatives, all organized around nine keywords that have been woven into the fabric of our unschooling lives. De-schooling, learning, days, parenting, relationships, family, lifestyle, unconventional, and perspective. The theme is life, the lens, unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.